Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here at Res Talk to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights into the broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. To the ResNet community, we hear you and wish to engage. How is the topic of energy efficiency in new single-family homes addressed in the mortgage industry? What pillars of ESG are at play and who are the players? We're joined on today's podcast by Simone Beatty, who is the Director of Housing Policy with Freddie Mac. Now, Freddie Mac was chartered by Congress in 1970 to support the U.S. housing finance system and to help ensure a reliable and affordable supply of mortgage funds across the country. Freddie Mac operates in the U.S. secondary mortgage market, buying loans that meet their standards from approved lenders. Freddie Mac then pools the mortgages it buys into securities, which they then sell to investors around the world. Now, drawing on her in-depth experience in the financial services industry and strong finance-related skills and housing policy strategies, Simone explains how single-family, green, mortgage-backed securities support Freddie Mac's focus on financing energy efficiency in new and existing single-family homes. These activities help to preserve home affordability over time and attract capital to promote sustainable activities through mortgage financing. Simone shares with us data, statistics, and trends on topics such as remodeling and repairs, work-from-home impact, and solar installations. She describes the criteria necessary for qualifying mortgages, including the minimum HERS score. She also notes the importance and the important impact of the increase in HERS ratings and how this helps more builders relate to more consumers the ties to sustainability that come from home energy ratings. There's a couple links in the show notes so you can learn more about the single-family green bonds and a framework document that really explains it all. So let's listen in as Simone gives us an overview of Freddie Mac's Green Mortgage Program. Good morning, Simone. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thanks to have you here. So you're a new voice on the podcast. We've been doing it for almost 100 episodes now. So pleased to have a new voice. And you're talking about the topic of Freddie Mac single-family green mortgage-backed securities. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Sort of break that down. Maybe first start off with Freddie Mac in your role and your involvement with that. So at Freddie Mac, for those that are not familiar with what we do, we operate on the secondary mortgage market, and we serve our mission primarily by purchasing residential mortgage loans originated by lenders. And in most instances, we package these loans into guaranteed mortgage-related securities, generally referred to into the market as mortgage-backed securities or MBS, which are sold in the global capital markets. And we also transfer interest rate and liquidity risk to third-party investors as part of that activity. And so we are not consumer-facing. We, by and large, have to leverage lenders to originate mortgages on our behalf and also do all of the consumer-facing activities that go along with origination activity and also on servicing of those loans as well. Let's get into the, and it's, we're talking all single family. That's what Freddie Mac deals with. Single family encompasses both single family activities and multifamily. We do have a multifamily division that deals with multifamily units and properties. 
And now the word that's in the middle of that green, what does that mean? The green mortgage-backed securities. That could mean so many different things in a nascent mortgage market. So Freddie Mac actually entered the green bond space initially on the multifamily side. And so we've had activity in the green bond space within our multifamily arena for quite a few years. On the single family side, we have just begun issuing bonds as of 2021. And so with those issuances in the single family space, as we surveyed the landscape, we recognized that we were on the mortgage, single family mortgage side, only one of two players really doing issuances. Fannie Mae was out in the market in 2020 with issuances for the first time with new construction. And so they were about a year ahead of us in green bond issuances on single family loans. We quickly followed a year later on Earth Day in 2021 with issuing green loans and green, you can say in quotations, because our issuances were predominantly on existing properties supporting financing for the purchase and installation of solar panels. And so we had existing properties with the green improvements and Fannie Mae had green new construction with Energy Star. So two players in a market that is essentially still growing, it's still in its infancy, and green is constantly evolving as what the definition in the secondary market of green on mortgage side is still evolving. What's the opportunity for this program or the series of securities? What does the outlook look like? It's definitely on the rise. And so in January of 2022, we actually expanded our framework to do more than just securitizing existing homes that had solar improvements being purchased and installed on them. We actually went beyond existing homes and included newly constructed homes that either had a renewable energy source, such as solar, such as wind turbines or geothermal, for example, heat pumps, and also added new construction for which a HERS assessment was completed and received a score of 60 or less on the HERS index. And so that for us was a recognition, again, as we keep up with the landscape of what's happening real time, we recognize that there not only was there an increase on the forecast for solar installations, we mentioned if anyone attended the ResNet conference, we said on our both on our panel and in our video that the annual average growth of solar is going up. I think the last research that we saw from Solar Energy Industries Association showed the average annual growth rate of about 42%. Also, the Department of Energy had some statistics where I think there was an in- will, will they're forecasting an increase in terms of dependency of solar and less on the grid of about 40% by 2035 or 2050. And so the growth rate is definitely there on the solar side, but we're also seeing a huge spike in the assessments that is being done by ResNet and HERS, right, on the, using the HERS index. And so with a recognition of that, we also wanted to capture new construction in particular, that has seen a growth rate on assessments and a growth rate on the average assessments being, by and large, the homes that are being assessed a lot greener than homes built to code. 
And to capture that in our issuances, we wanted to draw a line in the sand to essentially entice lenders, especially lenders affiliated with builders, to source more of these loans and indirectly influence builders to drive deeper, not only in the HERS scale, but to build more, given that we are looking to originate this activity and actually form bonds in the secondary market for which investors could pay a premium on them and then we recycle it back into the mortgage market to source more loans. So I think for us, the activity really is an incentive for the market to grow the pie And for consumers, it gives them more diversity of properties that already have green improvements or green attributes to the property so they don't have to do them later on immediately once they purchase a home. This is one of those hidden facets of the machinery that's behind all of this. It's very interesting. What started this? What started the engagement to be looking at? First, was it just an outgrowth from the multifamily side? By and large, an outgrowth from the multifamily side. They were first, they tested the waters. They were successful. We also have our mandated by Congress to show leadership in certain markets. One of the areas our regulator chose to, in terms of underserved markets, was looking at energy efficiency opportunities using the first lien mortgage. And we also built out a sustainability office in 2020 that's responsible for driving our corporate sustainable strategy and driving implementation of these types of activities in the sustainability realm across the enterprise. So we had it in multifamily, right? We have bond activity, multifamily. The natural progression is to look at it in the single family space as well. When you consider moving from solar, I guess that was an easy first step. There's a lot of activity as you quoted those growth rates, et cetera. Absolutely. Of course, when we start any activity, we always look for low-hanging fruit on what's easiest for execution. And execution, when we think of the role we play, execution is not just Freddie Mac. Execution is all of the market that goes into making a mortgage, which our lenders have to figure out how to operationalize anything that we are trying to source. And so in terms of solar, the activity was already happening. The issue was, is because there's not really a mortgage play for it, it's not necessarily happening in the first mortgage realm. It's happening through credit cards, cash, unsecured liens, which for an average consumer can get quite expensive on the interest rates and also the repayment terms. And so mortgages are a natural extension of affordable financing. And it seemed to make sense that we need to start to get lenders to think through how to use the mortgage instrument in terms of a marketing tool as they're talking to consumers, they're consumer facing. So they are our stewards to help market, hey, this could be another line of business, another source of lending activity for the lender if they were to think through how to have that conversation with the consumer and also have an execution that's easiest to sell the loan to us, but also to source it. And since solar is by and large now in terms of being dominant in the Western states and the Sun states, when we look at recent research, the industry is there in all 50 states of the union. And so it's one that even a regional lender can chase because the activity is naturally occurring. And so we started with solar. We started with solar. We were able to find a few lenders that had a mortgage platform supporting solar financing using the first lien mortgage. And so we started where we knew the activity was easiest to get. And then start and having that activity occur while we're figuring out what's second level next step here in this process that could be 
easier to execute in terms of a new offering, right? And so we expanded naturally to new construction because we're also seeing a lot of builders advertising as you tour model homes, here is our green package, right? Here is our, just for a little bit more, you can have these attributes and here are the actual, they're advertising the actual savings. And the only way they can really do that is by having a proper assessment or certification like Energy Star, like hers, to be able to say, yes, this property will yield for you utility savings over time. And so given that that's already out there as well, as long as we can validate it on the secondary mortgage side, we would include it in our bonds as long as it passes the litmus test for the standards we set for a green property. You had mentioned the panel discussion and the video that were part of the ResNet virtual conference this year. Can you describe a little bit about the panel, the makeup, and maybe a little bit about what flowed in the discussion? Yeah. And the panel discussion was done by my peer that's on the security side. And the video that we also did had some overlap. But by and large, in terms of talking about the market, the discussion is it's still in its infancy. One of the biggest obstacles we face on the single family side is a lack of standardized data. And so we have constructed our own data attributes and data sets for us to be able to do our issuances. We have a wonderful partner in ResNet that we work with to be able to validate, for example, the HERS assessment and the information that comes with that assessment. But the industry is still a little bit fractured. It hasn't completely aligned on what data should be collected across the board to be able to tag a property as green for the attributes that we have. We are in our own silo saying, hey, here's our definition. Here's what's eligible by default, the definition. And here's what we're collecting to do that validation. And it could differ by investor. And so until we form a more standardized conversation around data, data would still be elusive to anyone entering the space on the single family side. It may not be as easy to collect because lenders may not necessarily be building to the same data set. There is one bright spot in terms of progress here is that Freddie Mac, about three or four years ago, formed an energy efficiency task force where we actually brought the industry together to talk about data that an appraiser can collect. And so we were able to align with industry trades, with Fannie Mae, to be able to have an approved data set that will be in the uniform appraisal that we both rely on today for opinion of value. And so that will be able to be implemented in the market in 2023 and 2024. By and large, it's still a couple years away from implementation, but it is a step in the right direction for how we look at data and how we look at standardization. Because at the end of the day, standardization gives investors confidence on what they're investing in if there is very clear standards on the attributes for our mortgages. Absolutely. You had also mentioned some of the growth in regions like the West. Is there any sort of regionalization for the uptake of these mortgages? Yeah, great question. So we have seen, obviously, California is one of the largest share of the market when it comes to solar and improvements, but energy efficient improvements overall. We have seen growth in states like Texas, North Carolina, Florida, even my home state of Virginia is on the map. So that is so encouraging in terms of 
rapid growth in, in an industry that you didn't see this type of growth 15 years ago. But in the last 10 years, for sure, there has been a lot of progress. And some of that progress has been not only driven by the consumer's demand, but it's also been driven by tax credits, right? Both on the federal and the state side, that is driving both the industry to do more, but also consumers are taking advantage of those tax credits as well. So there's definitely an uptake in the states that I just mentioned in terms of rapid growth. Yeah, it's interesting. This weekend, I'll actually be at something called a Solar Fest. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and this is in Pennsylvania. And we'll be talking about solar. It's really happening everywhere. It's through a group called Solar United Neighbors, a nonprofit that organizes people in their thinking and their research when they're looking at solar. So something I never knew was out there before until a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I think there's renewed interest too in just energy efficiency overall, because solar is one part of it. There's so much you can do with a home in aggregate with improvements that can reduce utility costs. But I think one of the biggest drivers definitely in the last two years has been the pandemic forcing more folks to stay at home. To stay in, yeah. Yeah, to stay in. So it's definitely driven the renovation market. And with the renovations, some of the renovation activity includes solar installation. So I think that's been a wave too in the market with the popularity of companies like Tesla. More and more consumers are now, they're switched to looking not only to help the environment, but also to save money while they're doing that is starting to occur more and more as a natural thought and occurrence for consumers as they're trying to figure out how to spend their money. And kind of along those lines, Pew Research published in 2019 a survey that revealed that most U.S. adults, I think 77% of the respondents that survey said they are prioritizing are wanting to prioritize developing alternative energy sources. But 96% of them said they wanted to save money on utility bills. So I think the confluence of, hey, we are very conscious about decarbonization as a citizenry, and especially in our current environment with inflation, they're also wanting to save money. That is going to be at the forefront for most consumers on the go forward. So I think the time is now if we want to socialize market more of this activity on the mortgage side, we have to start speaking that language to consumers. So you mentioned this program is in its infancy. What are some of the factors that will help it grow? Is it just awareness? Is it the addition of other factors to it? You did mention standardization is very important so that the lenders have confidence in what they're getting into. Are there any other factors that we can discuss? Yeah, ease of use. So one of the top questions we'll get, by and large, most lenders have an interest that we talk to like, hey, that's an interesting offering and it sounds great. Not sure of the size of it. It's still small in scale and, and some lenders have to look at the economics of building something for the opportunity. And if the opportunity is still too small, they may not necessarily build that out if scale is long-term on the timeline. And so ease of use where you may not necessarily have to build a whole lot of additional infrastructure in terms of a lender adoption of this helps. And so I think if the industry coalesces where most of the standardization is on the investor side and lenders can just plug and play, either through APIs or that it's something that they can outsource to a vendor to be able to bring those things in, then I think 
that will basically speed implementation of more mortgage use on the primary mortgage side. So on the secondary mortgage side, we have more volume to basically review for issuances. But ease of use and execution is key, and that can only come from standardization. So the infrastructure has to be built to support that. And that's ongoing now? That is ongoing. So right now, a lot of what we do is manual. A lot of what we collect from lenders, a lot of our reviews on making sure that if we are calling it green is green is a manual process that we're intaking, reviewing everything. We have to build out automation in the future so that it's not a manual process for the lender. It's not a manual process for Freddie Mac is that this becomes part of the natural machinery for the lender to originate and also for us to intake it. And I think that will get us to scale. If I'm understanding correctly, the mortgages are sold in the secondary market to investors. That's correct. Does ESG factor into the thinking here? Absolutely. Matter of fact, I think some of the key investors that invest in our bonds have an ESG. I'm one of those folks where I have to be mindful on acronyms because we use it so much in the in our ivory tower. So for those of you not familiar with the acronym, it's the environmental social governance structures that corporations have now migrated to, to make sure that they have a focus on sustainability and things that are climate driven and also mission driven, because that's a social aspect in there as well. And so, yeah, investors are definitely on the lookout for securities that have some aspect that meets the pillars that they have set up in their corporate offices to meet their ASG goals. And so, again, tying this back to scale, being able to be transparent and flag these deals as green is helpful to them. Having separate attributes that show why it's green, that is automated on the security side in terms of disclosure, is going to be needed as well for us to grow this in the future so that investors can readily identify what is special about these bonds. I'm familiar at the micro level with appraisals and mortgages and things like this. So this must move to a macro level where the data is aggregated and then presented on the secondary market. Is that correct? Absolutely. And this goes back to what I just mentioned. The API. The API, the securities, the ability to be able to draw that data to the securities level for disclosure is going to be critical for the not only getting demand, more demand on the investor side, but more transparency and confidence with investors. They understand what the makeup is of the bond that makes it green. Yeah. And really the standardization, something that's been peer and market reviewed that has integrity because there's legal aspects to the financial purchasing or however things are moved here. Yeah, there's absolute risk if there is no third-party objective review of the attributes that, yes, there could be less confidence. There's also risk if the thing that you said is green is not green, right? That's definitely a risk in the marketplace. So yes, all of those reviews are important in addition to having a third party. And speaking of a third party, one piece of our green bond issuances and framework I didn't mention earlier is that we actually do have a second party and a second opinion rating from Cicero Shades of Green. And Cicero is a leading provider of second opinions on green bond frameworks. And they actually reviewed ours, right? They reviewed our governance. They reviewed our policies and eligibility rules 
around how we are basically indicating that our loans are green. And they gave us an overall light green rating on our framework that we published in January of this year. And in that report, which is actually available on freddymac.com, if you pull up our single family green bond framework, in it, they actually have a dark green rating on the solar piece, but an overall light green rating. And so we want to make sure that we're continually reviewing our framework to see how deeper on the green spectrum we go with our bond issuances over time. Because at the end of the day, the whole point of this activity is to get not only a kind of a greater pool of mortgages that lead to decarbonization, but also that we also are thinking in terms of the consumer impact and making sure that how they're thinking through improvements and how they're thinking through using our mortgage to finance those improvements, that they're thinking about the actual savings over time, right? In terms of their utility savings on their end with the improvements that they're making. And so all of this is to drive a wider activity towards decarbonization with keeping the consumer in mind on affordability and savings. So we have our listeners are composed of, of course, raters, rating field inspectors, builders, appraisers. Can they help promote this some way? What would they do to help build the understanding here? Because it does, it will benefit the work they do. And especially a lot of these people are purpose or cause driven that I've interacted with on the podcast and in the market. What can they do to help people better understand this and get lenders involved? I guess that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest tools is to show pictorially for anyone looking at this space at the impact. And for us, impact is three-pronged. It's the affordability of what it is that you're purchasing from a consumer point of view. But it's also impact on emissions, right? Carbon reduction, showing you impact you're having on the environment, and also showing utility savings, because that's real money. That is, for most consumers, disposable cash that they probably can't see by just advertising, for example, an Energy Star certificate translate that into what that means in terms of actual savings and actual carbon emissions reduction so that you get both for environmentally conscious consumers what impact you're having on the economy by purchasing certain attributes and also real-time savings. I think those are key and powerful statements that you can advertise in a very pictorial, very in layman's terms for a consumer and for a lender looking to basically have multiple conversations as they're saying, hey, I can definitely get you pre-approved for a mortgage. Did you know? Have a did you know quick fact that you could throw in there and you can even use it as an upsell as you're thinking about your financing lines. And so I think that's one of the ways is that we need to speak the language in very impactful points. And I know that the ResNet, HERS assessment and the DOE also have their home energy score that is able to actually produce that kind of information that can be advertised. I think the assessments itself, including Energy Star certifications and other certifications that are out there, are powerful tools that can be translated to appeal to both lenders, builders, and consumers on the impact and savings. Yeah. And I'll add a fourth one for consumers is an energy efficient home tends to be more comfortable, have a better, healthier environment and actually be more safe from certain factors in the home. So there's something that really strikes to the heart of what a home is. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. 
Very good. Simone, it's been a very interesting conversation. It's eye-opening for me, and I hope for our listeners too. And I will put a link to Freddie Mac in the show notes, as well as I'll find that link to the single-family green bond information, the rating that you spoke of for the listeners to tie into. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And also, as Simone mentioned, in the virtual conference, if you want to go back to that, I believe it's still open at this point for you to get in to see the panel discussion, to hear the video presentation, along with graphics to learn a little bit more about this topic area. Thanks again, Simone. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk Podcast. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. A quote for today by Johan Seitz. Sustainability is no longer about doing less harm. It's about doing more good. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard here or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet, R-E-S-N-E-T dot U-S. If you've not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.